Good morning to all who have joined into this Memorial Day Sunday worship. My name is Dennis Basserby, and I am a current serving deacon here at Greenfield Church. I am also the chaplain over at the Berkeley American Legion. It is indeed a privilege to speak to you here this morning. As we go about our observance of Memorial Day in this country, the thought that comes to mind is always for those soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who lost their lives in battle. There are many images in our minds of horrific battles taking place on foreign continents, islands, jungles, deserts, at sea, or in the air many thousands of feet above the earth. Other images that may come to mind are veterans' cemeteries with neat rows and columns of white marble crosses and stars of David, of uniformed men and women standing at attention, firing three volleys and saluting during the bugle call of taps, of old veterans at these observances, stooped, leaning on canes, or sitting upright in wheelchairs, medals across their chest, and still bringing up their right hand in a salute. These images of current and former fighting and serving men and women are certainly most often imagined, and understandably so. So today I will speak to you about five veterans who served their country not by taking up arms. Rather, they took up a Bible or a Torah, and on their uniform they wore the insignia of a cross, or a Star of David. Before I begin their story, let me recount two stories from Scripture of sacrifice, salvation, love, and mercy. The first story comes from the book of Exodus, the story of Moses' intervention with Pharaoh to free God's chosen people from Egyptian bondage. After many plagues were sent by God upon the Egyptians, with a Pharaoh still unmoved, to free the Jewish slaves, God called upon Moses to tell his people to sacrifice a lamb and to smear its blood over the doorposts of all the Jewish people there in bondage. Then God sent a death to all of the firstborn of Egypt, those houses not marked by the blood of the lamb. Death passed over the house of Israel, smeared with blood, and the Jews experienced salvation by the hand and will of God and freely by his love and his mercy. The second story, a familiar one and appropriate in this post-Easter season, is the ultimate story of sacrifice and salvation, whereby God sent his son, Jesus, to walk among us and to teach. Christ was sacrificed on the cross, and we are saved by the blood of him, who we refer to as the Lamb of God. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Here now, the story of four army chaplains of World War II, their sacrifice and their merciful actions to save many lives. It was the evening of February 2nd, 1943, and the U.S. Army Transport Dorchester was crowded to capacity, carrying 902 soldiers, sailors, and civilian workers. The Dorchester was moving steadily across the icy waters from Newfoundland toward an American base in Greenland. She was moving in a convoy and was being escorted by three Coast Guard cutters named the Tampa, 
the Escanaba, and the Comanche. Earlier, the Tampa had detected a submarine on its sonar. German U-boats were constantly prowling these vital sea lanes, and several ships in this convoy had already been sunk. The Dorchester was now only 15 miles from its destination, but the captain ordered the men to sleep in their clothing and to keep their life jackets on. Many soldiers sleeping deep in the ship's hold disregarded these orders, and because of the engine's heat, others ignored it because, well, life jackets are very uncomfortable to sleep in. On February 3rd at 12.55 a.m., an officer aboard a German U-boat spotted the Dorchester. After identifying her and targeting her, he gave orders to fire a torpedo. And the hit was decisive and deadly, striking her on the starboard side amidships far below the waterline. Captain Danielson alerted that Dorchester was taking water rapidly and sinking would gave the order to abandon ship, for in 27 minutes, the Dorchester would slip beneath the Atlantic's icy waters. Now aboard the Dorchester, panic and chaos had set in as the blast had killed scores of men, and many more were seriously wounded. Others, stunned by the explosion, were groping in darkness. Those sleeping without clothing rushed topside where they were confronted first by a blast of icy Arctic air and then by the knowledge that death awaited. Men jumped from the ships into lifeboats, often overcrowding them to the point of capsizing. Other rafts tossed into the Atlantic drifted away before soldiers could get to them. Through this pandemonium, and according to those present, four army chaplains brought hope and despair, and light into darkness. These chaplains were Lieutenant George L. Fox, a Methodist minister, Lieutenant Alexander D. Good, a Jewish rabbi, Lieutenant John Washington, a priest of the Roman Catholic Church, and Lieutenant Clark Poling, a minister of the Dutch Reformed Church. Quickly and quietly, these four chaplains spread out among the soldiers. There they tried to calm the frightened, tend the wounded, and guide the disoriented towards safety. Witnesses of that terrible night remember hearing the four men offering prayers for the dying and encouragement for those who would live. One witness, a soldier private Brett Bedner, found himself floating in oil-smeared water surrounded by dead bodies and debris. I could hear men crying, pleading and praying, he said. I could also hear the chaplains preaching courage. Their voices were the only thing that kept me going. Another sailor, Petty Officer John Mahoney, tried to re-enter his cabin, but was stopped by Rabbi Good. Mahoney, concerned about the cold Arctic air, explained that he forgot his gloves. Never mind, Good responded. I have two pairs. The rabbi, rabbi then took off his gloves and gave them to the Petty Officer. In retrospect, Mahoney realized that Rabbi Good was not conveniently carrying two pairs of gloves and that the rabbi decided that he was not going to leave the ship. By this time, most of the men were topside, and the chaplains opened a storage locker and began distributing life jackets. It was then that engineer Grady Clark witnessed an astonishing sight. When there were no more life jackets, 
the chaplains removed theirs and gave them to four frightened young men. It was the finest thing I'd ever seen or hoped to see this side of heaven, he said, another survivor who saw the chaplain's selfless act. Ladd's response was understandable. The altruistic action of the four chaplains constitutes one of the purest spiritual and ethical acts a man can make. When giving out these life jackets, Rabbi Good did not call out for a Jew. Father Washington did not ask for a Catholic. Reverend Fox and Reverend Poling did not call out for a Protestant. They simply gave their life jackets to the next man in line. As the ship went down, survivors in nearby rafts could see the four chaplains, arms linked together, braced against the slanting deck. Their voices could be heard offering prayers. Of the 902 men aboard to Dorchester, 672 perished. 230 survived. When the news reached American shores, the nation was stunned by the magnitude of this tragedy and the heroic conduct of the four chaplains. Carl Sandburg once said, Valor is a gift. Those having it never know for sure whether they have it until that test comes. That night, Reverend Fox, Rabbi Good, Reverend Poling, and Father Washington passed life's ultimate test. And in doing so, they became an enduring example of extraordinary faith, courage, selflessness, and love. Afterwards, these four men were awarded posthumously our nation's second highest honor for valor, the Distinguished Service Cross. They were also each awarded the Purple Heart. I was once told this powerful message, that the hands of the Almighty are so often found at the ends of our own arms. Hands that save, hands that help, strong hands. Do you think that these four chaplains experienced fear? Do you think that their thoughts were initially to save themselves? Hear one more story that bears being told on this Memorial Day, a story of strong hands. It is Sunday morning, December 7, 1941. Japanese aircraft have bombed and heavily damaged the United States fleet while at anchor at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. One of these ships, the battleship USS Oklahoma, after being bombed and torpedoed, capsized in the shallow waters of Pearl Harbor. Many sailors were trapped below decks, and they sought to escape through the rising waters through any means possible. One way was through a porthole. One sailor, while struggling through a porthole, became helplessly stuck because, quite frankly, he was a little on the larger side and couldn't quite fit through. As his shipmates on the escape side pulled and pulled on his arms to get him through, behind him on the trap side was another sailor pushing as hard as he could to squeeze that man through. Finally, with bruises and cracked ribs, the sailor was freed and threw to safety. Immediately thereafter, the rescuing sailors then turned toward the porthole and offered to pull the rescuing sailor to safety. The sailor there, Father Lieutenant Aloysius Schmidt, a Navy chaplain, refused help 
and left to go find other men to save. He was never seen again. Some weeks later, in a Protestant church in San Diego, a Jewish sailor told the story of how he was saved by a Catholic priest, a Navy chaplain, pushed, who pushed him through a porthole on the Oklahoma. Do you think that Father Schmidt had fear? Do you think that he sought to save his own life? Let me suggest to you that the hands of God were found on the ends of the arms of these lieutenants. Reverend George Fox, Rabbi Alexander Good, Father John Washington, Reverend Clark Poling of the U.S. Army Transport Dorchester, and on the ends of the arms of Father Aloysius Schmidt on the USS Oklahoma. Yes, their first instincts might have been to save themselves. Remember that Christ himself asked on the night before he was going to be crucified, Father, may this cup pass from me. Yes, I'm sure that they all experienced great fear. And instead, they all responded in the most courageous and faithful manner. Did the fear leave them? I think not. This courage and selfless acts that they demonstrated was not because their fear was gone. Courage is not acting in the absence of fear. Rather, courage is acting in spite of our fears. I believe that in the face of danger, destruction, injury, and even death, that a person will reach way down deep inside of themselves and find what they need and pull it out. Pull it out to act in order to save another or to simply face evil. In addition to all those servicemen and women who did find what they needed in a time of mortal danger. Consider the courage also of the first responders to the World Trade Center. When most people were fleeing away from these burning and collapsing buildings, the police, the EMS technicians, and the firefighters ran toward it. Or consider the young female student in Columbine High School who was asked if she believed in God with a gun pressed to her head. She responded with a courage that is immeasurable, and she paid for that response with her life. And now, most recently, we have seen the hands of the Almighty at the ends of the doctors, nurses, and medical technicians, all healthcare workers, laboring day after day caring for the critically ill COVID patients. They have been inadequately equipped tired to the point of exhaustion, and fearful of contracting this disease and bringing it home to infect their families. This also is courage, overcoming fear of the highest order. Some of these have paid for this with their own lives as well. Therefore, we include all of them in this Memorial Day observance. Greater love hath no man than he lay down his life for his friends. Today, and especially Memorial Day, take a little time and remember those who lost their lives in defense of the liberty that we enjoy today. Among those liberties, to come together in faith, to worship and acknowledge our God, Lord, and Savior. Those soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, also police officers, 
firefighters, EMS technicians, physicians and nurses have contributed their very lives for others. Let me suggest that all of these so honored and hallowed follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. For it is Christ who himself ultimately drank the cup of love and sacrifice unto his own death for us. Therefore, may all of us live and conduct our lives to honor all the service persons who gave so much for our liberties, all the healthcare workers who have always given their time and talents so that we may resume healthful lives, to those uniformed chaplains who in the face of armed conflict have befriended, counseled, and led young men and women faced with fear and dread. And ultimately, may we live as taught by Jesus Christ, reminded by his sacrifice for all of us. And to that, I can only say, amen. <laughs>